Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Hallelujah. We used to sing a song that just said, Welcome into this place. Here's what I know Jesus will not invade, He's not going to force His way in. He's not a home invader. He's not a life invader. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open up, I will come in and I will sup with him. And right now the Holy Ghost is knocking. The Lord is knocking in this place and everybody in this building, no matter what walk of life you come from today, no matter how much you know about Jesus, if you'll just open up the door, he'll come in. If you'll just open up the door, come on, if you'll just open up the door of your heart, You don't have to understand everything. You just got to open up the door. Hallelujah. Jesus, we welcome you into this place. God, we welcome you to walk through the aisles of this building. We welcome you, Lord, to touch lives. God, we welcome you to be the chain breaker, Lord, that delivers the captive in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Could we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you would greet somebody nearby you as you return to your seats, we're going to get ready to enter into the word of the Lord this morning. What a great day it is to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Better is one day in his house. David said, I'd rather be a gatekeeper. Amen. For one day in the house of the Lord than to spend 10,000 elsewhere. Amen. How do you feel that way today? Just thankful to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter number 19. Amen. Luke chapter 19. do want to encourage you, if you can, come out on Wednesday night. We've been walking through the book of Acts. Amen. We're currently uh, in Acts chapter 3. Amen. And... uh, book of Acts is a powerful book. It sets the precedent for the New Testament church. It sets the precedent for what we should expect when we come to the house of God. Amen? One amen. Anybody else agree with that? It sets the precedent. If you see church and it doesn't look like the book of Acts, it ain't the right church. If there's not miracles taking place, if there's not praise and worship taking place, if the presence of God is not there, then, then it's actually probably just a tradition. But where the, where the church is at, there should be deliverance. There should be somebody in this building today that came in bound, but they walk out set free. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so today we're going to take a look in, uh, as I stated, the book of Luke chapter 19. Amen. Verses 1 through 4, a portion of Scripture that I know you are likely familiar with. Amen. Luke chapter 19. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And Zacchaeus ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus. For he, speaking of Jesus, was to pass that way. 
Amen. He ran before. Tell your neighbor Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed up into the tree because he knew Jesus was passing that way. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. If you would, turn with me also in your Bibles. I didn't put this into the PowerPoint. Amen. I was kind of contemplating whether or not to read these verses, but I do want to read them today. I believe they add to the point that we're going to get to today. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and said, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend. Amen. Have you ever been in a class that you did not comprehend? Most of my year in calculus, I did not comprehend. Amen. But Paul said, I want you to be able to comprehend, not just to hear it, not just to see it, amen, but to comprehend, to understand with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ. Amen. He said, I want you to know the dimensions of the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to... This morning from these passages that we read, I want to preach today on the 3D power of Jesus. Amen. The 3D power of Jesus. Everybody good in the house today? If you're, Amen. We used to sing in Sunday school. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. And then we'd say, if you're happy and you know it, do all three. Amen. I just want to make sure everybody's awake today. That you're, they didn't change the time on, they, on us, did they? I feel like maybe there was a time changer. Everybody's good with me today, all right? Amen. The 3D power of Jesus. There is something powerful and increasingly engaging about viewing something that is three-dimensional. The objects leap off the page. Animation truly comes to life. An object flying toward the screen will trick you into diving out of the way when the image and the animation is in 3D. Anybody ever done that? You've been watching 3D and you knew it was just an image on the screen, but you still dove out the way anyway because that's what happens when it's three-dimensional. While three dimensions seem otherworldly, it really is nothing more than a special image that is being viewed by special glasses. In order for us to see things in 3D, each eye must see a slightly different picture. This is done in the real world by your eyes being spaced apart. The more space you got, the more depth you see. Meaning that each eye has its own distinct view. This eye is seeing one image. The other eye is seeing the another. And then inside the brain somewhere it comes together to form the depth that we are able to understand. If you close one eye and you're just looking through one eye, you're, you're not going to see the three dimensions. An image is... Uh, printed in two different colors, and, and each eye sees only one color. Usually that image is made of red and blue. That's why most commonly 3D glasses have one lens that is red, the other one is blue. Because what you're doing is you're looking through the red lens and you're seeing the red image, or the other eye is looking through the blue lens and seeing the blue image, and then they put them together and you have 3D. That's also why a 3D image or film viewed without 3D glasses is odd looking. It, view, it, looks, it looks fuzzy or blurry when you don't have the glasses on. But when you put them on, your brain 
puts those two separate images together into one image. 3D enables us to capture not only the width and the height of an object, but also the dimensions of the depth. This added dimension of depth literally brings things to life. Amen. I believe that's why Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and said it's not enough that you know the width and that you know the breadth and the height of the love of Jesus. He said, but you need to know the depth of Jesus because the love of Jesus doesn't make sense until you know just how much he loves you. Amen. The love of Jesus can't change your life until you recognize the depth of the love of Jesus. Amen. Church looks like a bunch of foolishness until you understand the depth of the love of Jesus. And once you understand the depth of his love, praise makes perfect sense. When you understand the depth of his love and what he did for you at Calvary, worship makes perfect sense. Amen. Amen. That's why sometimes you might come to church and look at the people around you like they lost their minds. It's because you only got one eye open. Amen, because you don't understand the love of Jesus because you just haven't seen it yet. I don't fault you for that. My, my wish today, my prayer, is that you would see the love of Jesus today, that you would see the depth of his love, amen, so that his power can work in your life. Amen. This, this dimension of depth demands a response from the audience. I mean, you can watch in two dimensions you can watch objects being thrown all day long. It doesn't really cause you to move, but, but you add that third dimension and that frying pan is thrown at the screen and you find yourself diving out of the way. In the book of Luke, we find three dimensions of the power of Jesus on display. And just as with 3D films, can only be three-dimensional when there is a slightly different image that is presented so too can the depth of God's power only be expressed through the added images of his demonstration. And when we begin to bring those images together, we see not only the height and the width of his power, but we also understand additionally the depth of his power. And so for just a few minutes, I want to present to you three images from the scripture of the power of Jesus as are expressed in his word to hopefully convey to you the depth of what he is able to do in this place today. Amen. And I believe that. There is no limit to what God can do. Amen. If, if it's just two-dimensional, if it's just a flat object on a flat screen, then God is limited in what he can do. But when you add that third dimension in there and you understand the depth of the love of Jesus, nothing is impossible in this place today. In order to grasp the magnitude and the depth of the power of Jesus Christ, we must also understand that no two people in this building today are the same. Amen. No two people. Our lives are different. Our stories are different. Our capabilities and our limitations are unique. There are some things I can do that you can't do. And there's probably a whole lot more that you can do that I can't do. We all have our capabilities and we all have our limitations. We are all coming today from different places. We are all at different points in our walk with God. That's why you got to be careful about comparing yourself with somebody else. Amen. Usually when you compare yourself with somebody else, there's only two results. 
Either you think you're better than them or you think they're better than you, and neither of those are the truth. The difference is you're just at a different place in your walk with God. Amen? Don't look down on that person that's never been in church before. They're at a different place in their walk with God. They, they can't possibly respond the way that you respond because they don't know what you know. Amen? But today we should rejoice because we're all on the path to Jesus Christ. Look around you right now. We're all unique. We're all, some of you are looking around, you're like, yeah, they really are unique. We're all different. There may be interests and common experiences, shared qualities. I might, there might be somebody in the room, Brother Simpkins and I, you might look at the two of us and say, yeah, you guys are pretty close. Right? We got the same good haircut. Amen. My wife once or twice has walked up about put a hug on Brother Simpkins before she realized it wasn't him because there's some similarities. But I promise you that we're two very different people. If you ask me to build you a home, you're not going to want to live in that home. If you ask me to fix something in your home, you're not going to want to live in that home. Amen. Everybody in this building, there may be some that you're more similar than than others, but we are all unique. Amen. We're all different. And so we come with different questions. Amen. We come with, we all carry different baggage when we walk into the building. And we come walking in from different directions. Three images or illustrations in the scripture of people coming to Jesus from different directions. But we're going to look at each of them and then bring them together so that we can more fully understand the depth of his love and of his power. The first that I would turn our attention to is found in Luke chapter number 8 where the Bible tells us of a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. How many of you have heard this lady preached about at least once in your life? Amen. She had had an issue of blood, the Bible tells us, for 12 years. And the language that is used to introduce this woman is very specific language, and it's also very unique. The Bible tells us that she had spent all of her living on physicians. Amen. She's had this issue of blood for 12 years. She's had this sickness for 12 years. One, by the way, that according to the law would make her an outcast. For 12 years, She's had to live secluded from society because of this issue that she is dealing with. And the Bible says that she has spent all of her living on doctors and physicians but had not been healed by any. Can anybody relate with this lady today? Only one of you. Brother Jesus can. The rest of you went to the doctor the first time and they fixed it, huh? All right. Not my experience. My experience is I'm not, I'm not doubting them for trying. I'm just saying... It wasn't the first guy and it wasn't the first time before they finally got the answer right. Amen. And, and so we read this, that this woman, amen, who had an issue of blood for 12 years and had spent everything on doctors and was not any better. Amen. We read that and we rush by it because we want to get to the instance of her healing. Amen. But I want you to pause for just a moment and I want you to put yourself in this woman's sandals, I guess would be most appropriate to say, for just a moment. Amen. I want us to think, I want us to empathize if we could and think through the lens of being this woman for just a moment. Amen. Because when we read that she gains understanding that Jesus had passed by, amen, I think our immediate response, our immediate thought is that she leaps out of the bed or the couch or the chair that she had been sitting in and she rushes to where Jesus is. But I don't believe that that is the case because if I put myself in this woman's sandals for just a moment, for 12 years she has spent she has given, 
She has hoped and she has trusted. She has been to doctor after doctor, physician after physician, each one of them promising that if you give me your money, I promise you that I've got the answer. Amen. If you'll put your hope in me, I've got the remedy that you've been looking for. But nothing has changed. And now she doesn't have two dimes to rub together. The Bible says she spent all that she had trying to find an answer. Mark 5 and 26 says it this way. She had suffered many things of many physicians. Not only the Bible says did she not get better, but it says she actually grew worse. Amen. So can I ask you realistically if you're that woman sitting there on the couch when somebody walks in and says Jesus is passing by. Amen. Another man who promises he can heal you. Another man who says he's got the remedy. Can I ask you, do you leap out of that couch? Do you jump out of that bed and go and find Jesus? If you have suffered from every situation that promised a solution, amen, I'm just going to be honest and say I'm not jumping out of the bed. I'm not leaping from the couch. I'm not leaping out of the chair and going to find Jesus. If you had spent every dollar that you had on the empty promises of doctors and physicians that some friend told you had the power to make you better, amen, probably you're not racing out the door to find the next promise that's walking down the road. Amen. This woman was dealing with skepticism. She was wrestling with cynicism. She was dealing with doubt. And can I say to you today, because of all of this, this woman had delay. Delay. I know none of you good folks have ever delayed when God says something to you. You're always on the edge of your, I mean, even right now, look at you all on the edge of your seat, just chomping at the bit. Pastor, please make an altar call. I want to respond right now. But the truth, let's be honest today, we deal with skepticism and we deal with cynicism and we wrestle with doubt. Amen. We wrestle even when we read the promises of God. We Internally, there is a struggle that goes on. Amen. Because Mark 5 and 27 says it this way, when she had heard about Jesus, not when she heard. She did not respond when she heard. Amen. She heard something in the past tense and then she sat there and she struggled. Amen. And somebody came in and said, hey, there's somebody coming by that's got the power to heal you. And she sat there for a few minutes. And she said, I don't know. I've been to every doctor in town. I've spent everything that I could spend, and I've got nothing left. Amen. She was wrestling with doubt. She was struggling with skepticism. Amen. She was struggling with cynicism. Is there anybody in the building that can relate with the woman with the issue of blood? Maybe you think that I'm reading too much into the phrase where it says she had heard. You think perhaps you say, well, pastor, you're just wrestling with semantics right now. But look at what it says next. The Bible says she came in behind the crowd. Amen. She came in behind Jesus. She came in behind the press. Amen. Mark says she came in behind the press. Can I tell you, the woman with the issue of blood was late to the party. Amen. She wasn't the first one on the scene. The crowd had already 
already gathered. Jairus had already got his attention. He was already in progress to Jairus' house to heal his sick daughter. And then the woman with the issue of blood showed up. Amen. Why? Because she was wrestling with doubt and she was struggling with cynicism. I can see her there on her couch rocking back and forth. Somebody told me that Jesus is the answer, but I'm not sure if I can trust him. I've been to the lawyers. I've been to the doctors, and I've got nothing left. But she came to the place after she sat there and rocked on her couch wrestling with the, with the skepticism and the cynicism. She came to the place that she said, I've literally got nothing to lose. I've already spent everything that I've got. I've already tried everything that I could possibly try. And I'm no better off now than I was then. I'm preaching to somebody today that's late to the party. Amen. I'm preaching to somebody today that God has called you, but you've been wrestling with doubt and cynicism. Amen. You've been wrestling with fear. Amen. But I want to tell you, Jesus, doesn't matter how you get there. It doesn't matter what direction you come from. I need some folks back there to help me preach right now. I don't need the first three rows to help me. I need the back rows to help me. Amen. I need some folks that have wrestled with doubt. The Bible says that when this woman with the issue of blood who was late to the party... Amen, that when everybody else was running to Jesus, she was rocking back and forth on her couch. Amen, that when Jairus was running full of faith, Jesus looked at Jairus and said, I've never seen such faith. Amen, but the woman of the issue of blood was sitting on her couch contemplating, do I give this man one more try? Amen, I came to tell somebody in the house today that you're contemplating right now, should I give Jesus a try? And I want to tell you, it's not too late. Amen, you're not, you haven't waited too late. I would compel you give Jesus a try. Somebody needs to testify right now because your neighbor is wondering if it's too late. The problem is we want to walk into church and fool everybody into thinking we've always been Patty Pentecostal. Amen. We've always been Fred the fanatic. We've always had our ducks in a row. That ain't the truth. I know it ain't the truth. It ain't the truth for me, and it ain't the truth for most of you. Amen. Many of you were caught in delay. Many of you were sitting home on your couch when you should have been in church. But can I testify today that it's never too late? I said it's never too late to give God praise. It's never too late to lift your hands. It's never too late to shout out to God. It's, it's never too late. And the Bible says when this woman comes from behind the press and she finagles her way, she crawls down through the crowd and gets a hold of the hem of his garment can I ask you what Jesus does? Jesus, the Bible doesn't say that he, he says to that woman, too late. Amen, you're late to the party. If you would have been here 20 minutes ago, 
He didn't say go get your number like they do up there at the uh, Knicks of Clinton. Get your number and get in line. That's not what Jesus said. The Bible says Jesus' response to this woman that was late to the party that was struggling with skepticism. Can I tell you what the Bible says? Mark chapter 5 verse 30. It just says in three words what Jesus did. Jesus turned him about. Amen. Yes, he was late to the party. But Jesus says you're not too late for this party. You're not too late for a healing. You're not too late for deliverance. You're not too late for me to wake away out of no way. Under Jewish law, it was unlawful for a woman to touch a man unless they were family. It was unlawful. No doubt Pharisees were in that press. No doubt they were when Jesus said, who touched me? They were watching. Who was it? Was it that woman? And when that woman came, the Bible says she stepped forward and told all the truth. And no doubt those Pharisees were ready, man. They were ready to take her out. Hey, man, you're not supposed to touch. If you ain't related, you're not. And how does Jesus respond to that woman? Because the only way you can touch this man is you're, if you're a relative. And Jesus looks at this woman that he never met before who was late to the party that had been wrestling with doubt and skepticism. He looks at her and says, daughter, thy sins be forgiven. Can I tell you right now that the accusations of hell have no power over you? Hey, Amen. God is here to day to invite you into relationship. I don't care what the devil's been telling you. I want to tell you about the depth of the love of Jesus. I don't care what direction you're coming from. If you're late for the party, if this is your first Sunday, Amen. I told you last week I was in Dallas. A man, his first time being in an apostolic service in his 80s. Amen. One week left to live. Amen. He was late to the party. I think we could all agree. But he walked up and Jesus turned around in that service. Amen. And filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That, that's one image. That, that's one picture I want to show you. But let's bring another one into the mix. The next is found toward the concluding verses of Luke chapter 18. And here Jesus, his Bible says he's about to enter into Jericho. And as he draws near to the city, there sits a blind man begging by the name of Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus, sitting there in his assigned place, hears the noise of a multitude that is approaching so he asks somebody that is nearby. I picture in my mind uh, somebody who is passing by in the multitude. Uh, Bartimaeus grabs them by, by the sleeve or grabs them by the cloak of, of their robe and, and, and pulls them down to where they can hear him. And he asks, who is it? What's going on? What is all this noise about? Uh, amen. And somebody tells Bartimaeus that Jesus uh, is passing by. Uh, amen. Bartimaeus, unlike the woman with the issue of blood, the woman with the issue of blood came to her place because she had nothing to lose. She had spent everything she had. Amen. She'd been to every doctor in town. She had nothing else. But can I tell you, Bartimaeus, unlike that woman, Bartimaeus had everything to lose. He didn't have the, 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 the assurance of, I can, I can sit here and wrestle with my doubt for a little while. 
He didn't have the luxury of sitting there in his chair and dealing with skepticism and cynicism. And, and then when I make up my mind, I'll get up and chase after Jesus. That's not an option with Bartimaeus. Amen. This would be the last time that Jesus would pass through Jericho. Amen. You read from there, Jesus goes to Jerusalem and tells his disciples, go bring me a borrowed donkey. He climbs on the back of that donkey and rides into Jerusalem. And they began to shout Hosanna and they throw their coats down on the floor and they throw the palm trees down and Jesus walks into town. We know it as Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Amen. And a week after that, we know Jesus would hang upon a cross. Amen. He would die for the sins of all of humanity. Going back, though, to Bartimaeus, the point is Bartimaeus wasn't going to have another opportunity. Amen. He didn't have a moment to waste. He had nothing. He had everything to lose. It was either now or never. Either now or I lose. I'll never have the opportunity, amen, to be healed by Jesus. Luke says that they told Bartimaeus, Jesus, amen, the woman with the issue of blood, when she heard that Jesus had passed. But the Bible says that Bartimaeus, they told him, Jesus passeth by. In other words, he's passing by right now. This was not, yes, this was not old news. Amen. This was not some yesterday's news or an hour ago's news. It was a present moment news. And the, the next words after that is Bartimaeus cried out. Amen. In other words, that woman with the issue of blood, she was late to the party. But Bartimaeus could not afford to be late to the party. He responded immediately. And I'm preaching to people in this building today that you're dealing with issues that you can't afford to delay. Amen. You can't afford to wait until next Sunday. You don't have the luxury of later. You don't have the pleasure of a pause button. You recognize that this is an appointed time that God has made for you. And either you respond now or you will never respond. Is there anybody today that has made up in their mind, today is my day. I can't wait until next Sunday. How many times have people come to church and said, next Sunday I'll get baptized, but something always comes up and they just keep on putting it off. Amen. They just keep on putting off, walking to the altar and repenting of their sin and, and sadly their day never comes. Why? Because they did not recognize like Bartimaeus, I've got to take advantage of this moment. Amen. I preach to somebody today you've got to understand the depth of the love of Jesus. Amen. That he loves you so much that he has made this day just for you. If I were here today and I had not repented of my sins, I would not walk out those doors without doing it. If I were here today and I had not gone down in waters of baptism in the life-changing, only saving name of Jesus Christ, amen, I wouldn't put it off for next Sunday. I wouldn't wait till the Sunday after that. I would make up in my mind right now that as soon as pastor is done preaching, I'm going to go get in that tank, and I'm going to go down in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody that doesn't have a made-up mind, Almost anything can keep them from responding. It's too loud in here. It's too, it's too cold in here. It's too quiet in here. 
It's too warm in here. I mean, you, you, there's no degree temperature where it's going to be good enough for them. And the sound man couldn't get the sound right to please them. Because they're just looking for a reason not to respond to the word. On the flip side of that, you get a Bartimaeus who has a made-up mind. Amen. It can't be too loud and it can't be too quiet. It can't get too hot and it can't be too cold. Bartimaeus started shouting out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. I'm not looking for an excuse. I'm not looking for a way out. I'm just looking for an opportunity. Anything can get between you and Jesus if you let it. The church, the church can be the biggest reason somebody never gets to Jesus. Because you can find all, well, the church is the one place we expect to never be hurt. Can I just tell you, if that's your expectation, I'm not sure what church to refer you to. Because it surely ain't this one. You're going to be hurt here. Hopefully not on purpose, but you will get hurt. You'll get let down. You have expectations that probably are not realistic. Come on, it got real quiet in here right now. Am I still in church? Amen. We can find, but if somebody would get a Bartimaeus mindset today, I'm not going to let the press get between me and Jesus. I'm not going to let the preacher get between me and Jesus. I'm not going to let the choir get between me and Jesus. I don't care what you do, you're not going to stop me. Bartimaeus starts shouting out, Jesus, thou son of David. And the church turned around to Bartimaeus and said, shut up, Bartimaeus. Quiet down, Bart. Bart, we're trying to have church over here. Come on, Bart, we're trying to have a move of God up in here. Would you please quiet down? And Bartimaeus, the Bible says he cried out all the louder. I'm not letting the church get between me and Jesus. I'm not letting the preacher get between me and Jesus. I'm not letting how warm or how cold it is get between me and Jesus. I've got to have a move of God right now. Is there anybody today that needs God now? You need Jesus right now. You can't afford to wait until next Sunday. You need Jesus to move right now. Then you ought to open up your mouth. You ought to lift your hands. You got to get a desperation. I cannot let this moment pass me by. I cannot let this moment pass me by. Well, we know how Jesus responded to the woman with the issue of blood, the lady that was late to the party. She shows up from behind the press, touches the hem of his garment, and what's he do? He turns around, he faces her. Because she was late to the party, what she needed was to be recognized. But now we find Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus is crying out, and people are telling him to shut up, and he's crying out louder. Amen. There, there, is a, there is a determination within Bartimaeus. And, and how does Jesus respond to Bartimaeus? The Bible says Jesus stood. See, for, for Bartimaeus, it, it, if Jesus gets too far, I mean, I'm, I'm really not trying to be cruel or funny even. But, but a blind man does not have the option of chasing a, a, a crowd that is moving. There's obstacles in the way. 
Amen. You're moving after noises, but you don't really know where the noise. You're you're trying to find your way, but it's dark and you don't know how to get there. He did not have the opportunity to chase after Jesus, and Jesus recognized this, so Jesus stopped. Jesus said, I recognize, amen, your determination, so my response to you is, Bartimaeus, I'm not going one step further. I want to tell you, if you made up your mind today to get something from Jesus, he will stop. He will stand still. Come on, somebody. I don't care what your life looks like. If you will get a made-up mind, he will stop. Oh, preacher, you don't understand. My life is too messed up. Not for Jesus, it ain't. Amen. I've done too much bad. Not for Jesus, you haven't. But you've got to get a desperation in your spirit. The woman with the issue of blood had nothing to lose. The blind man had everything to lose. And I'm preaching to you today about the 3D power of Jesus. If you're in this house and you've got nothing to lose, or if you're in this house and you've got everything to lose, Jesus is the answer. I just want to pause for a moment. I just want to pause for a moment and invite some of you living hope good folks. Amen, that you found Jesus when you had everything to lose. That if you didn't respond to Jesus that moment, amen, timing was of the essence. It was crucial that you responded in that moment. Amen, I want you to give God praise right now for what he's done in your life. I I know he put some marriages back together. I said he put some marriages back together. Hallelujah. I'm looking at some folks that had everything to lose. But Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. And he said, come here, Bartimaeus. Be thou made whole. Open up your eyes and walk. Now, now, now I need some of you folks that had nothing to lose. I, I need some folks that sat on your couches rocking back and forth, dealing with doubt and skepticism. But one day you came to yourself and said, I've got nothing to lose. And you chased after Jesus. Come on, you're looking at some testimonies in this house. Hallelujah. Well, one more time, just give God praise. The Holy Ghost is working in this place. I'm just trying to give you an understanding of the depth of the love of Jesus. We've given you two different images. We've given you people that, that, that wrestled with doubt. And, amen. They wrestled. There was, a t- there was a delay. But finally, when they came, they found a Jesus who turned around. He said, I've been waiting on you. Come on, woman, when you touched me, something went out of me. Virtue went out of me. And then I'm giving you an image of others. They had to respond in the moment. They didn't have the luxury of delay. And I feel that so strong in my spirit today. Some of you think you've got forever and you don't have forever. This is an important day for you. The gospel is being preached right now. You're being given an opportunity to respond to the, not to the preacher, but to the word of God. 
And I don't know if Jesus is going to pass through Jericho again. I don't know if you're ever going to hear the gospel again. I don't know if the Spirit of God is ever going to sweep through this room. All I know is right now is an opportunity. All right. Let me conclude. I have one more image, and you guys can stay here with me. You could, if you stay saying that, will make me hurry through. That will help me hurry through, I should say. People are starting to say now. They're like, well, in that case. One more guy. One more image to help us more fully understand the depth of this love of Jesus. Has anybody experienced the depth of his love? They tell you that you make up your mind within seconds, of, in three seconds is what I've heard. Within three seconds of meeting somebody, you have made up your mind about them. Whether you like them or don't like them. Whether you want to be their friend or you're their enemy, within three seconds. Career experts say it takes three seconds for, whether someone, for someone to determine whether they like you and want to do business with you or not. So breath mints are important. And brushing your teeth is important. I would even tell you your appearance is important. Absolutely it is. If somebody's making up, well, that's not fair. It doesn't matter if it's fair. It's just what it is. In this case, while the woman with the issue of blood had nothing to lose and Bartimaeus had everything to lose, Zacchaeus had nothing to gain. Because we build this mentality that only beggars need Jesus. And only the sick and the struggling need Jesus. Only people with visible flaws and outward limitations. Those are the only people that need Jesus. But the Bible tells me that Zacchaeus had status. He was the chief publican. He was a high-ranking dude. He was successful. It goes on and says he was rich. He had money. He rolled up in there in his bins, leaning to the side. I don't know. Maybe they made Benz chariots. I don't know if they, I don't know if they tinted the shield on the front or not. But Zacchaeus rode into town, and everybody looking at Zacchaeus said, why would he need Jesus? I mean, the wound with the issue of blood, I get it. The blind guy begging, I get it, but this guy's got everything. Hey, man, he's, got, he's been successful. He's proved himself. He's been successful. He's got money in the bank. His 401K is to the moon. Zacchaeus was everything most of us in this room are striving to be. climbed the corporate ladder, he had scaled the summit of wealth and riches, but there was something in Zacchaeus that status and riches could not satisfy. You can get all the toys this world has to offer. You can get all the wealth and riches. You can climb the corporate ladder. You can be as successful as you want to be, but that will not satisfy. There's something in you that recognizes, I've got to see Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood, she came from behind. The blind man, he hollered when he heard. But the Bible tells us Zacchaeus ran on ahead. Amen. Zacchaeus, there was something in Zacchaeus. Amen. Listen, listen, when Jesus is really what you are looking for, nothing will stop you from getting to him. Nothing. If I got to come from behind, if I got to holler out, if I got to run ahead, whatever. Whatever. 
There is a certain quality, and I'm, I'm concluding. There's a certain quality about Zacchaeus that I believe needs to get loose in this church today. I, I believe apathy, I believe God hates apathy. I'm going to say that again. So, God hates apathy. You know what apathy is? Apathy is indifference. Apathy is a void of passion. God hates apathy. It's being siphoned out of our culture. Apathy is the absence of a dream, and it's the void. You just float through life. It's a void of, a void of desire. And the enemy is siphoning dreams and desire out of our younger generations today. Amen. He's telling them that you don't need to have any dreams. Just, just fill up your time with video games and mindless things that are leading nowhere in life. All right. I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm walking on some thin ice right now. I'm not, don't, don't, don't go out and say, Pastor, preach against video games. I'm okay with you playing a video game, but do you have a dream? Do you have a passion? Is there something moving you? When you get up in the morning, does, what's causing your heart to race? Zacchaeus wasn't even saved, but he woke up in the morning with a dream that I'm going to succeed. If I'm going to be a tax collector, I'm going to be the chief tax collector. If I'm going to have money, I'm going to have all the money I can get. He was motivated. Come on, somebody say motivated. It won't hurt you to say, it's not like contagious word that will change you if you say it. Somebody say motivated. That's why I dance when I come to church. That's why I raise my hands when I come to church. That's why I shout as loud as I can when I... Because God, I want to do something. I want to make a difference in this world. I don't want to just float through life. God can't do much with apathy. It's hard to get a mule to, leave, to move. Come on. It's hard to get a mule to move, but you can put a bridle on a horse. And Jesus saw Zacchaeus and he said, there, there's somebody that's got some motivation. There's somebody that wants to make a difference. Oh, his, his motivation is misguided. He thinks he's going to find it in status and wealth, and he's not. But, it, but, but nevertheless, there's something in him. He has a desire to do something. And Jesus said, I've got to get a hold of that guy. I want it to be said of me that Jesus looks down on me and sees some passion in me. And he sees some motivation in me. I'm looking right now. I'm looking at all y'all, how you're responding to me right now. I pray God would curse apathy out of this church. Tell your neighbor, get motivated. Uh, this, this, ain't a, this ain't a get rich quick scheme. This ain't me trying to, this ain't no, you know, self-help presentation right now, but I'm telling you, Jesus can do something with somebody who's motivated. Jesus can do something with somebody who's willing to climb a tree. Jesus can do something with somebody who gets out of bed and says, I've got to make a difference in my world. I refuse to float through life. I refuse to wake up day after day doing nothing. I made up my mind I'm going to do something.
Zacchaeus made a decision. He shows up to where Jesus is. He heard the news. And the Bible says he came to where Jesus was and couldn't even see because of all the people that were around Jesus. And he was short. That wasn't really the problem, okay? That was a test. We all get tested. We start coming to Jesus and there's an obstacle that gets in our way. And Jesus says, you're going to be satisfied. You're going to be satisfied with not getting a good image of me. You're going to be satisfied with the distance, with seeing me from it. You're going to be satisfied to let these folks up here worship for you. Well, I'm just short of stature, Jesus. I've got these little limitations in my life. I'm a type blah, blah, blah personality. That's all that is, is an excuse. All that is, is a test. All that is, is a test. Zacchaeus, do you really want me? Zacchaeus, do you really want me? If you do, Zacchaeus, there's a tree up ahead. Zacchaeus, if you do, there's a tree up ahead. Zacchaeus made a decision. I want to get in God's path. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I want to, I want to be where God's going. Yeah, I want God to move right now, but I want to be where God's going. I'm not satisfied with a little Sunday morning fix. I want to be in the path of God on Monday. I want to be where God's going on Tuesday. I don't know how Zacchaeus knew. I don't know. Maybe just he was a businessman. He had that intuition, that instinct. I don't think they had the path lined out like arrows. Jesus is coming through here. I don't think that was it. I think Zacchaeus just knew. There was something in him that, you, listen, when you want to find Jesus, something in you just knows. Come on, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I just know it. I can feel it. This is where I need to be. Zacchaeus runs up ahead. Amen. Zacchaeus runs up ahead. Amen. Can I tell you what this was? It's called faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped four. Can I tell you what four is? It's something that's not here now, but it's coming. Amen. Zacchaeus said, I've got faith. I've got faith. I've got faith. I've got to get up to where Jesus is going. I'm not just here for a Sunday morning fix. I'm here for where Jesus is going. No, I, I made a decision as a young father that I'm going to raise my children in the house, not just because my dad was a preacher. I made the decision because I could see a day coming when my daughters were going to be young adults and I wanted them serving God. You know what I did? By faith, I ran ahead. I said, I'm going to get my children in the path of God. Some of you right now, you need to make some decisions not based upon today, but you need to make some decisions based upon where you're going. You want God to bless you? Let me tell you what he blesses. He blesses praise. He blesses worship. You ought to lift your hands right now if you want your home to be blessed. All right. Three images. One coming from behind. One in the moment. Another one running on ahead. And every one of them. What did Jesus do when he saw... The one with the issue of blood, he turned and faced her. What did he do when he heard Zacchaeus, who he knew could not pursue him? He stopped. And what does he do when he comes to Zacchaeus, who had ran ahead and climbed the tree? He looks up. 
I'm telling you, you cannot respond to Jesus and not get his attention. I don't care what direction you're coming from. I don't care how bad you've blown it. I don't care what kind of mess you made. You cannot respond to Jesus and not get his attention. But here's the telling moment that I believe separates Zacchaeus from all the others. The Bible says Jesus touched the woman with the issue of blood and he said, go your way in peace. And she went her way. He healed the blind man and the Bible says the blind man followed him. But to Zacchaeus, he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. It, was, it sounded like a statement, but it was really a question. Any of you ever in, invited guests over without telling your spouse? You better phrase that as a question when you go tell her. Amen? Hey, I was wondering if so-and-so could. You already told them they could, didn't you? Maybe. Yeah. question. Zacchaeus, are you willing to make room? I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Zacchaeus, are you willing to get some clutter out of the way? Are you willing, Zacchaeus? He didn't say, I'm, I know we, we translate this as Jesus and Zacchaeus had lunch. The Bible doesn't say that. We, we see them going home and Zacchaeus calling uh, in a DoorDash and ordering in some subs from and it, that it doesn't say that. Jesus never said, I want to go home and have lunch with you. He says, I want to go abide with you. I want to go and dwell with you, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, your faith got my attention, but now my question is, I want to dwell with you. This ain't a Sunday morning fling. Amen. This isn't a one-hour fix. I want to know, can I live with you? Can I dwell with you? Can I change your life? And so that's the question I ask right now. Some of you, I know you're okay with a Sunday morning fix. I know you're okay with a one-hour sermon. Hopefully I've held it to within that. I know you're okay with a 30-minute worship set. I know you're okay with all that, but the question today is, are you willing to let Jesus dwell in your life? Are you willing to let him, are you willing to come down out of the tree and go home and get some things out of the spare bedroom? Are you willing to go home and clean up some things that are in disarray? Why? Because I don't just want to fix from Jesus. I want him to dwell with me. I want you to close your eyes and forget about your neighbor because the one thing that can keep you from getting what God has for you is the person next to you. I don't care what direction you're coming from today. I don't care what direction you're coming from. I don't care if you're late to the party. I don't care if you've been struggling with cynicism and wrestling with skepticism. I don't care. I don't care if today you're in such a desperate need that all you can do is cry out. I don't care if you've got enough faith to run ahead and climb a tree. I want to I let you know you cannot respond to Jesus. You've got his attention right now. But will you make room? I'm asking some folks to walk down to this altar right now, not because your neighbor does. Zacchaeus wasn't motivated by a crowd. He said, I've got, to get, I've got to see Jesus. I'm asking some folks to walk down to this altar right now. It's, it's house cleaning day. Come on, some of you got some decisions to make because Jesus ain't going to share a bedroom with that girl you're shacking up with. Come on, Jesus ain't going to share a room with your secret sin. 
Come on, Zacchaeus. If you, if you really want me, Zacchaeus, then you got to come down to the altar and put some things on the altar because I'm not coming home with you. I, I don't know. that Somewhere in there, there was a conversation that was had. Jesus said some things to Zacchaeus. I don't know what they were. I think it's left out intentionally because it was between Jesus and Zacchaeus. All I know is the Bible says Zacchaeus stood up and when he did, he said, Jesus, I'm going to go make some wrongs right. I'm going to go give back to the poor. And if I've cheated people, I'm going to give back to them. And I believe at this altar, Jesus wants to have a conversation with somebody. And ain't nobody else's business. It's between you and Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it right now. Right now, somebody making room. on Jesus you're welcome into my home sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there to get to our destination we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com I'm going away